Hey guys, Maria Menunos here. Before your favorite TV after show begins, we want to let you know about my new show on Sirius XM Stars Channel 109. It's called Conversations with Maria, and it's live Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Go to conversationswithmaria.com for more info. Buzz you later. You're tuning in to the online broadcast network, After Buzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries, and your number one source for after show entertainment. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing after shows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! All right! Woo. That's a great song. Hello, Cleveland. Hello. You know, I'm actually from Cleveland. I'm very impressed. Are you really? Oh, yeah. Well, that was know. a Spinal Tap reference. It was of course not about it was. Nice. But there, I'm sure a number of people from Cleveland will be watching this. Good. So I'm very impressed by your good. foresight. It's really well, good. Well, awesome. Hello, Cleveland. Hello, everybody. <laughs> we are definitely getting into this. Hello, everyone. Welcome to AfterBuzz TV. We are here doing a special interview for the concert experience. We have a special guest in the studio. I'm your host, Marissa Serafine. Joining me, I have... Hey guys, it's Jeff Graham. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jeffrey C. Graham and on Instagram at Jeffrey Crane Graham. Awesome, you can follow me on Twitter at Serafini TV. Our special guest, Deke Sharon, he's considered Woo! the father of contemporary uh, acapella, music director, and vocal arranger for the hit NBC show Sing Off, and as well as the blockbuster films Pitch Perfect One and Two. And three. Three's on its way. And yes. three. Yes, Deke Sharon, thank you so much for it's joining. My pleasure to be here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. On short notice. I know. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank when you Deke so much says for taking he can time. come, you make adjustments and you get Deke in the studio. This Absolutely. was, honestly, since like 2008, I've wanted to meet you and get to know you better. So this is really, really special for me. Thank definitely. you. I appreciate it. And you, yeah. just before the show, you reminded me that we have met before. We have met before. Sing yeah. off auditions. Yeah. So I'm sure some of my Aka boys. Will be watching this. This is the Deke Share we met in Nashville in 2011. So. And, and Jeff was in a group called the Cheesies, <laughs> yes. and they were Cheesies. this close to making the show. I yeah. was super pulling for them. They were all these like mismatched uh, jackets, and they were like really funny yeah. and geeky, but in a compelling way. You Good. would have been perfect on the sing off. So well, next time. Here you <laughs> are. Time. You've made it in show business. I've made it in the show business nonetheless. Yeah. yeah. Well, it definitely in show business. You're here to talk about life, your new lifetime show, Pitch Slash, yep. which you are a vocal director and coach there. I mean, this is your first real show on television. What's that like between everything you've already done so far? Well, the best way I can describe it to people is um, so child star. Like the worst thing you can have in your life is to be a child star because they <laughs> like have all the success when they're young and they don't know what it means or whatever. Uh, and then there are people who get famous in their teenage years or in their twenties and they're like, yeah, no, I'm I'm cool because I'm supposed to be cool. Yeah. And then into your thirties or something, people might be like, Woof, I'm, I finally made it, or whatever. But when Lifetime calls you and you're 47 years old, <laughs> you, the whole thing is just like hilarious. Yeah, you know, you're just like what? Why? Especially what when doing? it's Lifetime that calls you when you're 47. I'm I'm an honor to be on the show. Oh, yeah. It's a pleasure to be on in front of the camera as opposed to behind the camera mm -hmm. uh, but still just the entire thing there's a level of surreality to it and at the same time <laughs> I'm just able to find humor in everything because I'm not worried about it and I don't take it too seriously oh good awesome yeah yeah, and on the show you're you're dealing with 
teenagers and high schoolers. But yes. Is it challenging to work with, they're technically minors, compared to actors or the older adults who might be in college at that point? Is well, there a challenge I, I, there? Musically, there is, because they're not as experienced. And, and it's really amateur singers. And, and Stay Tuned was an after-school club. I mean, they met yeah. about a third as often as, as Highland's Voices, and they only had a few songs in the repertoire before uh, I got an opportunity to work with them. But, however, on the plus side... They just love singing. And and uh, people often forget the root of the word amateur is amour, to love. <laughs> so there's something beautiful and compelling about amateur singing, amateur performing, particularly in a cappella. People really, when you do it right, they pour their hearts into the music. So that really is the best thing about high school a cappella in general. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really cool for me. I did collegiate acapella, but the high school acapella scene didn't really evolve until I was out of high school. So yeah, it's true. It's so cool for me to see that high schoolers have the opportunity to really compete at a high level. And I mean, the way you've really grown, stay tuned, even just in three episodes, they're close to a lot of collegiate groups out there, which is really fun to see. Wow, you're nice to say that. Yeah, they, no, I'm they dug deep mm-hmm. and found a lot of performing and artistry uh, and and overall I think the way they were structured was much more like a choir because there were 21 of them mm-hmm. and also because they had so little time to right. actually rehearse together and uh, Heather the director and the founder of the group is fantastic she's lovely and she had done a lot with the group cool. but having the time after school each day with them to uh, to make the show just gave me an opportunity to take it to the next level. Great. Yeah, and for the rehearsal process, I mean, you have such a big group. Mm. Uh, how long is the rehearsals usually? And I mean, the show shows like three days, but how right. long do you, are normal rehearsal days? Well, the first half of the show was happening during the school year, which is why like half the kids cut away and went to prom because yeah. they actually did right. that. Yeah. So basically what we had was uh, they'd get picked up after school around 3.30. They'd come over. Hopefully by 4.30 or 5, we were able to start working. And then we had to let them go by 8 or so. But then there's also, oh, we need to do interviews, and oh, wait, 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 stop, we have to do this again. So it wasn't like I could just sit down and start working with them, like, right. now let's drill the fundamentals, whatever. It was definitely combat acapella. Yeah. It was, <laughs> you don't go to war with the acapella you want. You go to war with the time and the resources uh, that you get. I'm sure, yeah. yeah. But um, I'm still very proud of, of what we created on the show, and there's an honesty to it and a vitality that I think... Definitely. Oh, definitely transcends. It's really cool. It's you can tell that those kids really have a passion for singing, and oh, yeah. that's enough to really push their performances to great places. I'd oh yeah, say. there's no question. Yeah. and uh, the fun thing for me in this short amount of time is to try to get to know every single person in mm-hmm. the group. Yeah, and I don't want to give away too much in the show, but it's my job. First of all, they bring me there because they want to win. Mm-hmm. Right. But I have a different motive. I'm not there because I want to help any particular acapella group win. I don't care who wins. That's not the point of acapella. It's not winning. The competitions that I have created exist for the purpose of motivating. Awesome. And so I want to help these guys understand why they're up on that stage, what the deeper value of acapella Mm -hmm. is, and more importantly, give every single member of that group an opportunity to shine. Preach. I love it. Yeah, that's that's why I'm there. I mean, I'm I'm using this as a vehicle to hopefully motivate and inspire a whole new generation of young acapella singers. Cool. Yeah, and I mean, it's such a big group for Stay Tuned. Did you have a lot of time for one-on-one to, like, really get intimate (laughs) and, like, teach them? (laughs) No, No. as a matter of fact, I think it was the second episode... um, 
maybe I'm sweating a couple times on camera. I, <laughs> I, I don't really pay too much attention to the actual final cuts because I lived it, so I know what it was. Right. Right. But there was uh, what I did for that that second week, I think it was, was I broke groups up into different rooms and I ran between the different rooms. So I was like out of breath a lot oh, wow. because it'd be like, okay, solos over here. Okay. Let's have our rhythm section over here. Okay. Yeah. Background parts is over here. Okay. Now I'm going to okay, let's go. Okay. Now I'm going to run back to check in with solos. How the solos doing? Yeah. It was, it was like a four ring circus, five ring circus. And, um, then I realized like, ah, it's not going to work. I can't do this. <laughs> so I had to come up with another way to, get it learned in such a short period of time. So sectionals weren't really a way to go with this group. Because that's what I've wondered a lot of times. Yeah. Groups that size will just break up into sections and have students lead, potentially. I didn't but... have any any help. And as people yeah. will see in this fourth episode, uh, I'm, I'm sick at the beginning. It was genuinely in the hospital. Yeah. And they mm-hmm. had to run their own rehearsal. And, and uh, I think people will see that maybe that isn't the best method for Stay Tuned to learn music. Interesting. Yeah. On uh, their own? Correct. Okay. Yeah. No, I love them, but see, here's the thing. Right. So you've got a group of 21 kids, and they're like a United Colors of Benetton ad. Like, you have more <laughs> diversity in this particular group than you're going to find in most acapella groups. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. all kinds of uh, their age diversity, their background, their socioeconomic status, their race, their upbringing, their style, their taste in music. I mean, this guy's pre-med, and this one's a computer nerd, and like the whole thing. It's so, like Glee. We were talking about yeah, it. it really is yeah. like, so like New it. Directions, the show. Totally, except in Glee, they're all 28 years old. That's <laughs> right, uh, right. beside the point. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, so it's hard for such a diverse group of kids to just automatically snap together and all get on the same page is the right way to do things. Mm-hmm. Um and so it really helped to have somebody from the outside be able to help steer them in a particular direction. Cool. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Direction is key, especially if you're one and end goal at the end of yeah at the end of the day. I mean, so you worked with so many, and for the what is the the rehearsal? Well, not really the rehearsal, but for the filming process for the competitions. Yeah. What's that like? The the mechanics behind it. Do you have to film? Is it all live? Well, uh, live mics. Yeah. The, the thing is. So there were occasional times when the cameras were still getting ready, and I'm like, guys, come gather around the piano. Here, let me teach you more of your parts. But um, pretty quickly, I realized, like, I needed to rush every step of the process. Like, okay, you mostly have your notes. Let's move on to movement. Okay, you mostly have your movement. Let's uh, sit down and talk about what the motive and the emotion is behind the song. Okay, you've got got that. Let's let's drill down the solo lines. You know, I, I had to move faster than I wanted to, but luckily I had... The single greatest training ground for moving too quickly in acapella, which was the sing-off. Right. That was trial by fire. Every week, all different ages of groups, all different backgrounds. So uh, that prepared me for the chaos that was going to be um, making this all happen in just three days. Yeah, I wow. bet. I'm excited. I'll have when we get there. I'll have some questions about the sing off and just how that was formatted yeah, and sure, how we arranged. Sure, yeah. We'll keep talking pitch life a little more, but yeah. So for the competition, yeah. was it all live to tape, or you know, when you when all the groups are actually performing, do you yep. perform it just once, or do you do it several times? Um, can you tell what us? can I say? <laughs> yeah. What can I say? Uh, I believe I can say that uh, each group did it three times. Okay. okay. Only one time was judged, so that so the judging is oh, cool. standardized. Right. But um, the, the nature of the the cameras and the angles and the shoots, all that kind of right. stuff. When, when we were working the sing off, we had seventeen cameras. Right. So you could do one take and. Uh, 
Take bam, 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 bam. But for this, uh, okay, do your performance. Great, we've got all the wide angles. And then, like, by the third take, you had guys with steady cams up there running around the yeah. group and stuff, so you can get all those close angle shots. Okay. Hopefully, I haven't broken my non disclosure agreement with that information. <laughs> the thing is, production. It sounds <laughs> like the, um, the essence of the competition was preserved because the judges only heard it once. So Yeah, well, they judged one of them. They judged, they judged one. I th- yeah, it's so. not like they left the room for right. the other ones. But, but the bottom line is, yeah. And ultimately, I mean, the sing-off, there's a big cash prize at the end. There's, yeah. You know, there's a record contract, and there are all kinds of laws and legalities that have to go into it. Right. This competition is a little friendlier. It's about high school groups and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So it, it's just, it's not about the competition. Right. Yeah. I mean, it certainly wasn't for me. And and uh, so rather than getting really worked up that a group like Vocal Forte's scores were so low, the only reason I was really worked up, it was like, who cares? But it was just felt disrespectful to me right. like can't these judges tell that this group just did something amazing right and the fact yeah. of the matter is you go right now on itunes and you look at all the downloaded songs whatever yeah. the number one most downloaded songs is warrior yeah it's vocal yeah. forte that's solo that that's was they were freaking oh awesome my God. and actually what happened as soon as that performance was done the camera stopped rolling all of highland's voices and <laughs> stay tuned all like jumped up and surrounded me and they were yeah. like deke what happened how could they have scored him so low i was like i don't know this makes no sense to me i, know. I mean that's stuff that happens off camera right but right. um but bottom line hopefully all of the groups who are a part of the show realize the the best thing is that they got an opportunity to be on television have half a million people watch their performance and get excited about it. I mean, that's huge. In yeah. honor of acapella, which is the In best That's what it's for. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, well, when it comes to the scoring and... Hopefully you won't get in trouble for this, but we've been dis- discussing every week on our after show that we feel like some groups may not have gotten the best scores that they were that they could have gotten. Do you agree with that? Or I mean, High, uh, Highland Voices get scored every high every week. Mm-hmm. Vocal Forte should have been scored higher, in our opinions. I can't disagree. I, 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 I mean, you know, am I going to get in trouble if I say something like "no disrespect" to the various people I got as judges? But none of them have the experience or the ears that I've got. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. this is what I do. This is my life. And yeah. I don't know if they thought they were hearing something different than they were hearing or if I was sitting in a different place. Right. But it made no sense whatsoever. The, 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 but as I told Stay Tuned every week, of course, it doesn't make it to television. Guys, don't worry about the numbers. Don't worry about three judges' perspectives. What you need to do is you need to go up on that stage. You need to connect with the audience. And ultimately, you'll know how well you did. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. up to you to speak your own truth to the audience and connect with them. Say something honest. Sing from the heart. And then the numbers that come in are the numbers that come in. I mean, mm-hmm. what can you do? And the thing is, acapella is music. I think in the first episode, they did put in, the, you know, it's, it's subjective. Right. It it's just like, who's better, Beethoven or Bach? Answer, <laughs> it doesn't exist. There's no right. better. It's not the Olympics. This isn't sport. Yeah. Yeah. People are going on stage and they're singing. You like Mariah Carey better. You like Beyonce better. Who's right? It doesn't matter. What matters is what you like. Yeah. So that's the exciting thing about the show is that every person who's watching can pick the groups that they like, can have the different experience, and ultimately enjoy all the different groups because there's something to be enjoyed about every single performance on the show. We felt that way. It's been fun. Each competition, each group really has brought something pretty amazing, which is really special. And the fun thing about acapella is that every group has such a specific flavor and that's what's been really fun to see is that on stage, no matter who wins or loses, each group brings their own kind of spice, which I thought is really fun. Yeah. Right. And, and and again, win, lose. This is all the construct that brings people to watch the show. Right. I, I mean, I've had the same feeling for 
over a decade, when I first started what's now the ICCA, is I would go backstage and I would tell all the competitors, guys, make friends. You're right. going to be in groups with these people. Some of you are going to get married. The people on the stage are not your competitors. Just go up there and sing for the audience. And then with the sing-off, I literally told them as soon as everybody else was out of the room, I said, here's the deal. The people in this room are your best friends. You don't want these other groups to fall on their face. Someone's going to change the channel watch Mythbusters. You want them to be awesome. Yeah. You want them to be amazing. Like, don't drink that whole reality show Kool-Aid where I'm only here to win and I don't care, like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. These other people lose that. And, and the beautiful thing was, as a result of that, we had a very different reality show than yeah. is, has ever been in a music show. Time Magazine said it's the best reality show on television. NPR, like, all these people who never comment on these kind of things they understood. You had Ben Folds speaking intelligently oh about the, the mechanics of music and harmony. You had, it, it, like, it was an intelligent judging panel, and it was a respectful show. Yeah. And, uh, and I have great pride in the sing-off, and that's how I've been approaching these singers in, uh, in, in Pitch Slapped as well. It's, it's, it's about the music. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, do you think there will be albums released, or is there albums to be released well, after Pitch Slapped ends? Well, each of the group's performances is getting uploaded on mm-hmm. uploaded iTunes, which okay. is great. But an album means you end up having to go in the studio and okay. record all this kind of stuff. And the fact of the matter is, I don't think it can happen. Highlands Voice is all but one graduated, like they're all off of college <laughs> now. And stay tuned, uh, maybe a third of them graduated yeah. and, and whatnot, and so realistically, probably not. Probably, yeah. But the good news they're is the, the legacy singles. of these groups are remain. Highlands Voices and Stay Tuned both just performed on the ICHSA, the high school cool. um, right. competition stages, and audiences love them, and they're going to still be out there. So go online and see the different performances and, yeah, and follow them. Awesome. Yeah, they're awesome, and even the competing competing teams that they go up against, because uh, they're, they're real teams. Yeah, in, in that area, uh, does anyone have a say in like who they get to compete against? Or? Who I, I was or, like, how do know, they bring like, the here, <laughs> here you? That's who who it's going to be. I okay. think they were just reaching out to groups, and then halfway through the the, uh, the show, once once the the. Uh, the name changed, so I forget what it's called. The Summer Invitational goes into the elimination rounds. I was I think it was IHCSA. I didn't realize that it was its own kind of It's its own, yeah, it's its okay. own baby. Um, but what happens is uh, there are all these different groups from greater New Jersey that end up coming and being a part of it. So you see Vocal Forte, who are fantastic. Oh, and they're, they're good yeah. friends with Stay Tuned because they're in the same region. So they okay. would be competitions and performances all, to get, all together. There's a group called Solfege, which are all student run. In fact, they had to petition their school, like the adults, wow. to exist. Wow. And and they got all the support from the community and stuff. And they're going. And they're, you'll see young new groups that just recently got formed on the show and established groups. And, and basically, it's a primer on what's going on in the overall high school New Jersey acapella scene, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, cool. Wow. That's amazing. Um, so we, we really love this show. Oh, um, yeah. Good, it's been good, fun. Good. It's been fun because you always wonder, like, with the Lifetime reality show, how is it going to be handled? And we feel like for the most part, it really does a good job, most of the time, championing acapella. And really, we feel like preserving the innocence of who these high schoolers are, which good. is fun. So. Good, good. I, do, yeah. I, my, I wish there were more of a percentage of the time spent in the rehearsal, seeing what's going yeah. on behind the scenes, getting mm-hmm. to, to the process and whatever, and less about the stakes. Like, only one day to competition. We've got to win this one. This one really matters. Well, like, two days left. Yeah, yeah. and if you, if you don't see it on screen occasionally, maybe you can hear my eyes rolling in the back <laughs> of my head because that's not what acapella is about. But, right. I mean, right. if that's what needs to be on screen to get viewers to watch the show, then 
That's what it is. Right. Okay. Absolutely. I understand. And, you know, going a little bit back to the rehearsal time that you, you spend with the kids, you, you talked about before we went live on air that there you have some rules that you like to teach to them. That's right. And uh, there's so much that we did in, in the rehearsals that, that didn't make it, but I have three rules that I laid down for Stay Tuned. I mean, every group that I work with needs something different, but I felt like these guys needed some really clear guidelines. Um, so the first rule I taught them on the first day was respect yourself. And uh, that was about taking care of yourself, making sure you can have sleep, liquid, and, and basically just realizing you are the instrument. I think people mm. don't realize when they're when you're looking at acapella, like it's you. Right. It's 100% you. So you yeah. need to be in good shape. Rule number two, they were not expecting. And that was respect others. Hmm. And that came, um, that came as a result of me hearing how much they were talking trash about the other acapella groups, in particular uh, Highlands Voices. Yeah. And I would have none of it. Yeah. None of it. And uh, maybe my greatest accomplishment throughout the entire show was changing that dynamic between the two groups such that uh, by about the halfway mark starting here and a little bit later on, they become really good friends. Cool. And they set up this like secret chat between all of them. And so now they're all still like constantly chatting back and forth and whatever. It, 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 it warms my heart because ultimately there's no value in these groups being head to head. What I told Stay Tuned was, guys, look at Highland's voices. They're a bunch of high school singers just like you. They have the mm-hmm. same problems, the same background, the same worries, the same hopes. And more importantly, they're more established than you. Like, watch them and learn from them. Ask them questions. And, and what happened is they stopped throwing attitude. And then Highland's voices was like, oh, what happened? They stopped. And then they, and then all of a sudden, before competitions and afterwards, they like hang out in the dressing rooms and jam together. I love it. It was yeah, really it was awesome. So and then that made possible the ability to take three people from each group and go on the Today Show. Yeah. I mean, if they hated each other and they wouldn't, like, work with each other, you couldn't... I I started at 7 p.m. the night before, learning the song, and then got up at 5 a.m., went in for sound check, threw some choreo together after that, and then, bam, we're on the air. So it was, like, the fastest turnaround I've ever had in my life, and that would have been impossible if they had no respect for each other, if they were at each other's throats. Speaking of turnaround, I've been curious. Are you doing all the arrangements for Stay Tuned? For Stay Tuned, yes, uh, with the exception of um, Hide and Seek, which they already had in their repertoire. Okay, cool. Okay. That first week they need to, but then every single additional arrangement I'm doing from scratch for them because I'm trying to build out and, and their sound and their style, and something that will come out later later on in the episodes, hopefully, unless they left it on the cutting room floor, is that each week, the number of parts in the arrangement grows. I've noticed that. First week, it was a five-part arrangement. Then we go up to seven. And then I think it's like nine and then 11. And maybe by the ending, every single person in that group will have their own part in the arrangement. How do you arrange a 21-part acapella song in a weekend like that is I mean I know you've arranged it wasn't even a weekend it was like turn it around tonight I know you've arranged like 40,000 trillion acapella songs but that's crazy definitely over 2,000 I stopped counting at that point but but, um, I've just I've always been fast I've been quick in arranging and I go right into the computer finale or whatever yeah um but in the case of Stay Tuned, the bigger question is, like, what can they do? Let me understand each one of their voices. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. When I was music director of the Tufts Beelzebubs, that's what I started to do. I started to arrange for the guys in the group as opposed to... Cool. Yeah, so think of each person as their own instrument. What yeah. do they do well? You're really good at rhythm, but your tuning's a little wonky. Okay, I'm going to give you a cool rhythmic part. You're beautiful soaring high in your range, but you get a little raspy when you're down low. Well, I'll keep you up high and floating on a bow, but then if I want the rasp because we're doing something Motownish, I'll move you down there. It was literally like put each person in their own spot. 
I would love amazing. to ask about the bobs. Is there anything with pitch slap we feel like we haven't covered yet? Or? Oh, no. We, we, we can definitely move on. We love pitch slap. Yeah, so. God, God. Yeah. Well, you guys can contact me anytime. Skype, oh, call, email, and just ask whatever questions. I like, would say... What, what were you thinking here? What's the deal? Yeah, Before yeah. we went to tape, I was like, Deke Sharon is the Aka God, and he is too yeah. nice. Like, you are so unnecessarily nice. Shut up. The, <laughs> there it is. There, there, there I guess is. he's I, not. That wasn't even believable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. But it's just you so... Yeah. It's so great that, like, kind of our, like, fear this leader is so great and like Thank open you. and means a lot like it's really special no, i appreciate that well i mean i like to say that you nobody who's really in the acapella world can be a jerk like it doesn't right. work like you won't last long yeah, like you won't. everybody has to play nicely with each other yeah. so um that's a beautiful thing about the community and and people learn that yeah. So about the Bubs, I'm a huge fan. I've loved Beazle the Bubs for a long time. For yeah, those who do not know. Yep. Right, from Tops. Um, I think we could consider them kind of the first like modern college acapella group, kind of owing sure. to you. I would love to know what the group sounded like before you came, because they've been in existence since, since the 60s, right? Uh, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, um, yeah, early 60s, because when I first got there, mm-hmm. uh, they celebrated 25 years, and then a couple years ago, just the 50th, so. Amazing. Yeah. So what do you feel like was their sound before you came, and how do you feel like you helped shape the group to who and how they are today? Uh, are you guys ready to be bored? Because I could talk <laughs> for hours about I won't this. be bored. Yeah. 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 Okay, well, I'll try to be quick. Uh, so it was started um, by a man named Tim Bale and a few of his friends and the idea was his dad was in the Whiff and Poofs and he wanted to create something like that at yeah, Tufts. Yeah, in case you guys don't know. Yes, yeah. the yeah. granddaddy of all yes. yeah. groups. So they started out singing those classic Whiff and Poof songs, a little bit of Barbershop, uh, eventually a little bit of doo and that kind of male choral sound. Mm-hmm. And then over time as different uh, great arrangers uh, came into the group, and Al Drynan, Gene Blake, Marty Fernandi, mm-hmm. uh, th- these, these are names that don't necessarily mean anything to you, but these guys started to push the sound forward. So even by 1985, the group was dabbling with songs that were currently on the radio. In fact, uh, there's a a video out there somewhere of the 1985 Bubs doing Thriller with full Thriller choreo. Oh, nice. That's very acapella. Yeah, but at the time was not something that was all that popular. Interesting, okay. Uh, But then when I was in the group, I wanted to sing the songs that didn't... people wouldn't touch acapella yeah. not, and not do a rap tune just to be a novelty but like to really dig down and, and do Peter Gabriel and do Pink Floyd and mm-hmm. the kind of stuff that you just can't shooby doo op your way through the yeah. songs that are mm-hmm. not typically vocal so that's what drove me to starting to experiment with vocal instrumental sounds and the, the legacy that's most quoted is uh, the vocal percussion the use and integration which is Different from beatboxing, since we're like talking high level acapella. Oh yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah beatboxing is fantastic, mm-hmm. and obviously grew from the rap tradition. But the grooves and the sounds and the stylings of that are distinct from what's happened with an acapella and vocal percussion. Uh, vocal percussion and acapella requires um, a very consistent sound, much more of a replication of a traditional rock drum kit rather mm-hmm. than sampled sounds and loops and beatbox. Although there's a lot of overlap in the Venn diagram, right? Um, and uh, it's it's grown and blossomed and and built out. And the thing that's really f- most exciting to me is when I graduated college, there were a little over 200 college acapella groups. Now they're over 3,000. Yeah. So the community has just gone. And then now the high school acapella 
is exploding beneath it because they're looking up at their big brothers and sisters and saying, we want to do that. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I have a feeling there are going to be 10,000 or more high school acapella groups before long. Yeah. That's amazing. Why do you think it's grown so much in the last 20 plus years? Do you think it's because technology itself has advanced and there's a lot of like electronic sounds that people can produce on their you know laptop or whatever? And then uh, people yeah. who are singing are also there's, imitating that sound, so it kind of correlates? I mean, we're, like they said in those old Palm Olive you're soaking in it like we're too close to it now to know for sure mm-hmm. but I can just fire a bunch of different potential reasons at you one is 100 years ago barbershop 50 years ago doo-wop we right. may just be due yeah. number one number two the increased amount of technology and music may be pushing people towards a more natural sound mm-hmm. both on stage and in the recorded studio although people still use tuning with voices and whatnot the bottom line is there's a humanity to acapella that is unmatched when you've got a bunch of synthesizers and and whatnot yeah so that's another potential uh result of the whole thing and and, and you can go on and on and on for all these different reasons i think the internet had a lot to do with allowing people who had um uh, a deep interest in something but were spread out to come together i mean i mean if i was born a generation earlier i might not have had the same access to the population. When I graduated college, I had a newsletter that I printed and stapled in my room and <laughs> sent out to people. And then it was one of the first early adapters with the website. There are lots of nonprofits called CASA, but I got CASA.org because I was first to it. I lived in <laughs> San Francisco near Silicon Valley. And I was like, I want, you know. And so we had email and Usenet news groups and whatnot to right. draw together this community. And um, the availability of different competitions, the growth of uh, some really great professional groups, obviously movies like Pitch Perfect and The Sing-Off have right. popularized it. I mean, there's so many different aspects. It's no one thing. I but think for all me... all together, it's a perfect storm. I didn't interrupt it. I, no, no, I was no, going to no, say, no. I think for me, it was just like the novelty of going to college and being like, oh my gosh, I can sing like I used to do in choir... But I'm singing, like, songs that sorority girls would love if I was singing them. <laughs> well, and, and the fact of the matter is, when I got to Tufts, the Beelzebubs were the most popular group on campus. Like, yeah. more than the football players, more than any fraternity. Like, yeah. you know, the girls, like, pointing at them, <laughs> which is all you want as a guy in college is right. to be a part of that. And it was really cool because you were rock stars on campus. Yeah. Like, lines all the way down the block and through the quad to get into your concerts. And, yeah. and just th- that feeling of what you're doing is really important drove my entire group in the Beelzebubs and certainly the years before and after to feel like I really want to make this excellent because it matters. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, the college acapella world has driven the current sound style and methodology behind this big acapella boom now. Yeah, I, it's interesting because I know when you were leaving, you were like, okay, this is my favorite thing. I'm acapella. How do I do this? And like, you kind of fearlessly were like, I'm going to make this a job. Like, first of all, what drove you to be that inspired to do mm. it? Because you're mm. kind of entering, like, this, was, you know, barren desert of... Oh, yeah. So how did you... Like, what was your first year out of college? Like, how did you approach that? How did you think, I'm going to make acapella acapella? My career. Well, yeah. uh, first of all, I just loved it. So yeah. I was like, this is what I need to do. Cool. And um, and I, I I don't know why I believed it. I look back and I'm like, dude, I was nuts. What was I thinking? <laughs> But it worked out. So it worked yay. out okay. Um, the analogy I like to use is, you know those like little water skeeters that, that are able to walk on water by never putting too much weight on any one uh-huh. limb? Yeah. It was kind of like that. Uh, I started the house jack, so mm-hmm. I had some performing income coming in. I started uh, a couple festivals, the first acapella conferences. I would work with choirs. I was doing a lot of custom arranging back then. For like 10 years, it, I was 
it. I mean, yeah. anybody who wanted the style of music was just coming to me to arrange. Right. So that's when I did a lot of arranging in a short period of time. I started a publishing company, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, different times of the year, like, ooh, August is rolling around. Back to school. I'm going to be arranging my butt off for the next two yeah. months. And then, ooh, it's spring. It's road trip season and all these groups and festivals and et cetera, et cetera. So it was... It was diversity. It was it yeah. was it was being uh, kind of a jack of all trades within this acapella cool. community until it grew to the point well where it is now. I love that advice because it applies to anyone who wants to do what they want to do as a job. You know, just spread yourself within the same community. Do everything you can, and eventually you'll make it work. Yeah, it's it's the right combination of breadth and depth uh-huh. mm-hmm. that, uh, that that worked out for me. I mean, cool. obviously everything's different now. People can go in and have a full time career. In acapella, simply editing the tracks yeah. from college acapella recordings. Yeah. I mean, that's a full time job now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. which is amazing. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. amazing. Oh for sure. Yeah. This is so. After you know, leaving the Beelzebubs and leaving college and mining, you already had a fairly established career. So many things came your way, including NBC Sing Off. Yeah. Did, I mean, I believe when you know, go doing all your research and whatnot, that the show was already produced and like had plans moving forward in production, and then they came to you pretty late in the game. That's right. I guess I, I haven't really told this story on camera before, <laughs> but I think it's time I could do it. Okay. So basically, I was maybe the last person hired on, uh-huh. uh, and the executive producer at the time and his assistant realized, like, maybe we need a little more help in the recording side of things. So I was invited to come on board, and it became pretty clear to me in the beginning of this whole thing that although they really knew how to make top-level music programs, they didn't understand acapella. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, I asked, so when's the sound check for the groups? And I got kind of a curt, like, there's no sound checks on the schedule. Do you see the schedule? Now sit down and know your place. <laughs> so I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> so basically, it was a little bit like Wallace and Gromit. You've mm-hmm. seen those cartoons? Yeah. I was the dog who just ran around and fixed things as much as I could. <laughs> and I was like, they can fire me if they want, right. but this is acapella's one chance to be on television. Um and then what happened in the first show, guess what? The audience started cheering for one of the groups, and they couldn't hear themselves, and they went out of tune, and everybody thought they were going to take first place that round. And they, it, they, it was, So next day back, everybody, some showrunner was like, what the hell happened to the show? Anybody? Can anybody tell me what happened? And you're like, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And then like, all right, so what do we need to do? Can someone tell me? All right, I can tell you what I need. So yeah. can I get a sound check with these groups? How long do you need? 45 minutes per group? No. You can have 25 minutes. Okay, thank you. And then it went from there. Nice. And then by the end of that uh, first season, I was, uh, they made me a producer and I brought Ed Boyer on board. I was like, there's too much for one person to do because I wasn't sleeping. I was sleeping like four hours a night. It was was nutty. (laughs) And then, um, so then he became a big part of of the overall sound and behind the scenes and it went from there. Nice. That's amazing. Oh, and also Ben Bram. Oh, yeah. Ben was still in college. He was arranging for the Backbeats. Oh, no, it wasn't even the Backbeats. It was the SoCals on the first uh, season of the show. Oh, that's right. It was the SoCals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's when I met him. And then for the second season, I was like, can I grow my staff anymore? Well, you can have Ed and then you need to find somebody locally. I was like, but acapella he was like you need someone locally and we can't pay him a lot so you better find someone good it's like what am I going to do that Ben guy seemed like he knew what he was doing let me call him and see if he can do it boy did I get lucky there you know yeah Yeah, fast forward to Ben getting a Grammy with Pentatonix you know so yeah 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 yeah. so basically 
I've been blessed to work with incredibly talented people. And, and as is true with them, I mean, they would say the same thing for well, you. That's, yeah. that's nice. That's to say, the but, community. I mean, it's yeah, so, it's, yeah, it's good people making yeah. good music together. Um, so I have to wonder if that NBC sing-off tie was that kind of your in for Pitch Perfect? Because I know that's an NBC Universal project. You know, that, or... that, that was actually a separate thing. Okay. And um, there's there's a little interesting backstory there. But uh, Pitch Perfect came as a result of the book Pitch Perfect, which Mickey Rapkin wrote. Which, fun and... fact: that was actually to be initiated into my group in college. We had to read that book. So. Oh, really? Yeah, we were like maybe the 10,000 that read the book before the movie. Right, right, right. Yeah, I'm in that nerdy crew. (laughs) Mickey uh, wanted to write a book about this interesting world, and he followed three different groups, one of whom was Uorgan DeVisi, who Mm -hmm. were tremendous and changed the sound of women's a cappella, but they made it all the way to Carnegie Hall, and then one judge, who was actually a female judge from Juilliard, I believe, hated them. And their their score was low from her, and they didn't win the whole thing. Which, of course, Kay Cannon then turned into a vomiting, which, you know, it's a comedy movie, so <laughs> right. you got to amp it up a little bit. Um, but it was through that that I think Elizabeth Banks, you know, found her, maybe word of mouth or whatever, called and said, like, hey, you want to come on board and, and work on this project? Cool. Yeah. Um, so how was that? Working on Pitch Perfect? Yeah. Perfect. Crazy. And, and, and initially, it was insane. Yeah. And it was a little aggravating, too, because, okay, so my dream was... First movie, red carpet. I'm going to have the Barton Bellas, and they're going to be up there singing their little butts <laughs> off, doing all this live acapella. All of the all the members of the Barton Bellas can sing, but they didn't have acapella experience. Right. So we had one Kelly Jekyll. We pulled over from two seasons of The Sing Off. She was our ringer. In fact, uh, they all like Brittany Snow calls her the, the professional <laughs> in rehearsal. So like, uh, Deep, can the professional sing my part for me one more time to make sure I have it right? Um, but the fact of the matter is that first month of acapella boot camp, I lost a lot of sleep because I was just like the sing-off. This is our one chance with, with television. Pitch Perfect because this is our one chance in the movies. Right. It's got to be great. And we would do these show and tells every Friday afternoon. And uh, the troublemakers who were comprised of two stars on Broadway, two young stars on Broadway singing right. leads, and then a bunch of guys, many of whom were drawn from local collegiate acapella groups. Right. They mm-hmm. actually could really sing and they were really good on the, on the Friday afternoons and the Barton Bellas were, were the, not as good right and I don't know if you've seen the movie but the Bellas need to win the movie right. so there was some pressure coming down on my shoulders and Ed Boyer who uh, was my partner we worked very closely together on the movie it was like uh, Deke um the Bellas need to win this. Are you aware of that? So more lost sleep. And then the finale arrangement. I, I like to joke that it was like a mad scientist situation. Because <laughs> I'd go in and bring the latest edit of it. And uh, Jason Moore, the director, was like, more. We need more. Key changes here. And I need more. <laughs> Layers mashed up. Okay. And I bring it back and add more. And I come back, more! More! So I, I ran back and back. And finally, the last version I brought to him. And he was like, yeah, it's a little too much. It's too Done. much. <laughs> so... And then that's what made it into the movie. So, yeah. Right. But uh, in the end, of course, movie magic and everything. And the Bellas stepped up at the last minute. And they were all like, all the, the artistry that they have, all that great emotion they put in the music. And all the pieces fit together. And it worked out. But it was a rough first month. I bet. Yeah. yeah. I mean, quite it's quite an experience, I imagine. Yeah. But, but here's the thing. You need to know. Gold Circle like only had one hit movie up to that point. My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Yeah. And like 70 movies that were tiny and went direct to DVD or yeah. like yeah. Blood Creek and stuff. Like, go on there, IMDb. You're like, oh. So I was like, well, we're going to be one of those. Right. Because when I first negotiated my contract, I asked about a, the soundtrack and they said, well, we're not planning on making a soundtrack. Interesting. And I said, wow. what do you mean? They said, well, this isn't a big enough movie for that. Like, that's how wow. small this movie initially was in, in scope and in perspective and in budget. So the fact that the movie comes out in 2012 
in October it opens and people like it and word of mouth starts to spread and spread and then it goes out on DVD before Christmas and then it blows up. It blew up. And then we had the biggest soundtrack of 2013. Right. Think about when does that happen in movie history that your soundtrack is big the year after. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was one of the few platinum albums that year and, and it was the best-selling soundtrack over Les Mis and, uh, you know, all, all these crazy, yeah, 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 Rock of Ages, all these big budget m- yeah. music movies came out and, yeah, so it was a little engine that could. Yeah. And, uh, and no one more than me was surprised. I mean, right. yeah. overjoyed, but it was like, everyone, what's happening right now? I'm a big Kay Cannon fan. She's one of my favorite writers. She's amazing. And, uh, yeah, she's amazing. She's great. Um, been a fan of her since 30 Rock and everything. And it's fun. She did an interview with Seth Meyers where she was like, and all of a sudden I was at Walmart and I went to the rack to look at the Pitch Perfect rack and there were no movies there. And I was like, oh my gosh, I guess we sold all of them. And she's like, that's when I realized this was not a small little indie. Like, this was a no, blockbuster. Yeah. It was a monster. Yeah. And then you think about all the people sharing and the fact that it was so big in the college world and mm-hmm. all those people illegally downloaded, they didn't buy those. You know what I mean? So, so it was <laughs> even bigger than you, would, than you yeah. would have initially expected. And, and everybody at the helm of that movie, especially Elizabeth Banks and her husband Max, like, they are fantastic. They're smart and they're caring and they want it to be true to the real acapella. And yet at the same time, I told Liz on the first day, Pull no punches. Like, this needs to be a funny movie. Right. Make fun of us. Like, we're dorks. Like, oh, yeah. So, and, and that's the beautiful combination between... But at the same time, if people are not out of their chairs cheering for the bells at the end of the movie, it doesn't work. Right. So we need each other, and there's a great balance there. Yeah. I was totally cheering for it. And when I watched that movie in theaters, because, you know, I also did the Glee after show here, so I was, like, really in tune with the yeah, music yeah, yeah. and whatnot. So when I watched it, I was literally walking out of there, like, buying the soundtrack mm-hmm. on my... Like, I, oh, I wow. bought the whole soundtrack before I even walked to my car. It was that good. Yeah, right. and the second soundtrack debuted at number one on the Billboard charts. Yeah, not, not the Billboard soundtrack, the Billboard, Billboard. Yeah. which is nuts. Yeah. Again, like, Great. wow. Yeah. Cool. And you had some challenges, um, and I imagine the first and the second one, because of the song rights and whatnot. Did that yeah, change, course. like, storytelling? Uh, well, what happens is we sit down very early on with an early version of the script, and we, like, where are the music moments? What are the right kinds of songs? And we just talk about it. Like, for the first movie, it's like, okay, you got these girls. They're stuck in the late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. They're going to do a three-song ICCA set. Their right. middle tune would be, I'm like, so it'd be a ballad. What's like it, an overwarmed, like cheesy heart ballad that like they'd be just gushing on stage and they'd think it's really emotional, but people in the audience would be like rolling their eyes. <laughs> and I was remembering back to my days and I was like, the New Hampshire notable saying eternal flame and it was just that moment yeah. and they were like perfect hold on <laughs> so I got to draw on my own history everybody's pitching pitching different song ideas in there and, and uh, that's what made it so great was that it's really a round table there's so much creativity coming from many different angles cool yeah. amazing I like we loved Pitch Perfect one yeah. and two because uh, the day Pitch Slap aired, we marathoned both of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. yeah. To get the acapella to get in the mood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's great, too, because those soundtracks really do preserve a great acapella sound because I wondered how that was going to be handled. Um, so that was cool that the movies sound like acapella CDs, which is well, great. Well, yeah, but sound like real, natural live performances. Mm-hmm. And yeah. for that, the, the biggest shout-out has to go to Ed Boyer. Yeah. He is the man who more than anyone else has, has crafted the sound of modern acapella. He was the guy who recorded the Dalton Warblers on, on Glee. Right. He's the guy who mixes all the pentatonic stuff. And he really understands that perfect balance between something that's going to be catchy and work within the sonic spectrum of what people are hearing on current radio mm-hmm. and at the same time the honesty and the natural sound of voices. So yeah. nothing is like super tuned. Nothing is like super 
over the top in your face. Like there's a heart, there's an honesty. So I've got a question. How do you feel about Code Red, the album? As well, above yourself. I produced that album. Right. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, so that album, at that point, that changed acapella. It like, was intending to. So, yeah. and, and the order of the album made a big difference, too. Uh, by putting Mr. Roboto first, which uh-huh. is a very heavily tuned, mechanized track with all kinds of sound effects. Yeah. Although that whole Domo got that was <laughs> yeah. actually 100% vocal. People like, you use robots on it. Like, yeah. no, no, it was just yeah. a guy who sounds like a robot. Yeah. You find those in college. But... The idea was basically at that point to say anything goes. Yeah. Guys, stop trying to follow on one single path. Let's go in every direction as fast and as hard as you can. And let's explore what the human voice can do. Cool. Let's imitate instruments. Let's imitate modern production. Let's try new things. And that's really what's happening on the album. But people really got caught up on that first track and said, like, it's too tuned. It's like it it brought out a lot of philosophical discussions as to yeah. what collegiate acapella could be, which is what we wanted in a oh, way. Oh, I love the album. I was just wondering, like, yeah, yeah, knowing yeah, no. acapella sound now, then how you feel about it retrospectively and... Proud. Yeah. Proud oh, it's a great album. To, yeah. to stick a flag in another planet and basically say, like, okay, here's this. Because then what happens is people see that, they replicate it, and then they move on from there. Yeah. And there's only so much... Just, like, think about the early days of using reverb in recordings or the early days of electric guitar, the yeah. early days of stereo recordings or quadraphonic. People got too caught up in the technology and they played with it. Like, you hear some of those Beatles recordings in the original mix where, like, everything's on... You know, half the instruments are on this side, half the... Right. It sounds really clumsy now. Yeah. But you have to go through that process to then get to the point where you understand how it all works in stereo space. So acapella had those growing pains and uh-huh. now people are doing whatever they want. And, and interestingly, the most successful groups... You're out there with Pentatonix and mm-hmm. Home Free and Straight No Chaser. They all have very natural sound to their recording. People yeah. ultimately want to hear what your voices sound like, which is what happened back in the late 80s, early 90s when Boys to Men and Bobby McFerrin and Huey Lewis in the News and, right. and the mm-hmm. Nylons and everybody were having their radio hits. It, again, ultimately, acapella is at its core human. Cool. I love it. Brian, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, with all the vocal groups that are out there that do acapella, what's a group or a couple of groups that you listen to all the time that like you can't get enough of? I hate acapella. I don't understand. <laughs> um, you know, I I intentionally listen broadly to everything, and I want to hear like, wow, there's this new great acapella group in Brazil, or ooh, the latest thing from vocal sampling in Cuba. I've loved those guys for 20 years. What's going on there? Or ooh, this is a group in Croatia, and they're mixing in the you know the the, the local clap up tradition, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I'm a wide net guy when it comes to acapella. I really do love it all, and it's like there's this giant smorgasbord of of flavors and colors and sounds out there. And I like experiencing the the vast majority of it. But I don't find myself listening repeatedly to like, oh, this is my album this month. Okay. Because um, I get too caught up in it. So like when I'm cooking, I'll put on some jazz or some bossa nova, some classical music or whatever. Because then it needs to take me to a different place. Yeah. And mm-hmm. out of that part of my brain. Cool. Awesome. Or else I'll burn my food. <laughs> I'm like, well, should he really? The third's oh. too loud in that chord. Ah, oh, the eggs yeah. are. Oh, why'd I do that? Ruined is it. that in tune? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You arranged like thousands of songs. Is there a particular song nowadays with all the new music that's coming that you haven't arranged yet that you really want to? Not really, no? but but that's because, and I'm going to sound strange saying this with arranging being a big part of what I do. I don't view arrangements as their own creation. Hmm. Uh, uh, 
An arrangement is merely a roadmap to help the performer connect with the audience. Cool. And so okay. for me, the best arrangements that I've done are the ones where I've really been able to custom tailor it so that there's really that moment, that push, that expression, that connection back when I was in the Bubs or when I produced different groups' albums like Straight No Chaser or even with Stay Tuned where, like, okay, like, what do I want to do? Here are these singers. Here's this song. Here's this thing that I want to teach. Let's get that connection happening. And uh, I do have a bunch of public music, uh, published music, where <laughs> I, I'm trying to create some clothes that'll fit people really well off the rack, yeah. which is a different skill set, as it were. But ultimately, my real joy is in watching the final product. And something that I need to say to people all the time, and they, they don't get it, change my arrangements please <laughs> change notes that's what i would do if i were there the notes themselves the, they're just black and white dots on a page they don't matter what matters are your singers and the audience and that connection so please change the notes cool awesome that's excellent and it's like, I, I love your teaching method and because i've watched a lot of your um uh, what's too it? many your, notes too on, many notes oh, yeah okay, on you. youtube but like i love how you approach each subject in a way that everyone can understand it and i think you have like such a great teaching ability that people can you know just click and be like yes mm-hmm. i get it what thank do you, you i love how you bring that to pitch slapped and just your career in general yeah. thank you thank yeah, you yeah i think it's great yeah um is so we you have a couple vocal groups that you're a part of right now, and like you help produce and direct. That I'm working on, and also yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'd say my latest big production right now is a group called Vocalocity, and they are out on the road. They're touring the eastern half of the U.S. Started in Florida, they're up the Wisconsin and Iowa right now. They're going to be cutting through Minneapolis all the way over to Boston. They're Amazing. going down to Texas. Wow. Go to VocalocityOnTour.com to check that out. How do you spell that? Just because I know it's V O C A L O. S-I-T-Y. S-I-T-Y. Great. On tour. And they are the ultimate all-star acapella group. It's 12 singers, some from Broadway, some from The Voice, from the sing-off, from the beatbox world, and they are an unbelievable group of 12 oh singers. Oh are they coming God. to Cali? Uh, hopefully in the, in the... We're booking that right now for the fall. Okay, great. Yes. So All yeah, right. they'll be out here. We'll be there. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah. buy tickets. It's super fun. Good. So they are a big thing that's on the road for a while now, and their album just released on iTunes and Amazon. We've got a record deal for this new thing. It's really great. That's great. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On... Um, on Universal Classics, so that's really great. And uh, but you can find it online. You can listen to some of the tracks on uh, on YouTube and Spotify and iTunes great. and all that kind of stuff. So that's Vocalocity. And then mm-hmm. I have um, an annual concert at Carnegie Hall, which is coming up on March twentieth, which is really fun. I have singers fly in from all around the world, and then we're going to have some special guests from, let's see, from. Uh, a couple of the Pitch Perfect actresses. Esther Dean's going to be there. Cool. And Chrissy Fit And Fitz 80 is going to be there, who um, was the beatboxer in Das Sound Machine. Oh, nice. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And then uh, the Philharmonic are going to come and oh, perform wow. as well from the sing-off yeah. and some other special guests and things like that. Amazing. So that's going to be super great. Um, and so I'm finishing my third book right now called The Heart of Vocal Harmony, which is all about the process of teaching uh, groups to get together and perform with genuine unified emotion. I mean, I love that That's because awesome. not enough, so many technical musicians don't push emotion, then it's like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Well, and it's especially challenging within vocal harmony groups. Okay, so let's say you've got a rock band. You uh-huh. really only need your lead singer to, to deliver the lyric, right. and the rest of the guys, the drummer, can be there doing his thing, and everybody's focused on that lead singer. Or in a symphony, you've got a conductor, and everybody's looking at their music and looking down. Their countenance doesn't matter as much to the music. Right. But when you've got a bunch of people up on stage, be it five singers or 50, they're faces are connecting with the audience and if there's no one home or if you have different emotions firing from different people you can have a real misdirect 
and I don't know that there's anything in the literature that actually fully addresses this. In fact, people who go to school to learn how to teach choirs or people who study vocal music and vocal harmony, they, they focus on the rhythm, they focus on the notes, they mm-hmm. focus on the pitches and the performance and maybe even the movement, but not necessarily that emotional connection. Cool. So getting everybody, and here's another thing, in the acting world, everybody has their own character, they have their own personality, and so everybody's approaching the scene differently. There's no genre there's no artistic form in which everybody has to be expressing the same emotion at the same time in the same way mm. so that's the challenge here and so that's what this book addresses amazing and you've worked with so many people are there any other musicians that you wish to work for or work with work in the with? future well like you would uh, love absolutely ray charles and james brown were two huge like ugh, moments in my life yeah mm-hmm. um who else out there? So many great people. I've never worked with Stevie Wonder. That would be a true, yeah, a true Stevie honor. And I know he loves acapella, and he's working with Take Six all the time. Whatever. Hopefully, one day I'll get an opportunity. I bet it'll happen. We'll see. We'll I just see. have a feeling. Who knows? But but there's there's just so many great musicians out oh, yeah. there, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for. That's my pleasure. The time flew by. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Oh, Pick yeah. your brain all day. This is amazing. This so is much really fun. fun. We really thank do you. love Pitch Lab. Um, anything where anyone can follow you. Oh yeah. Well, I'm easy to find online. Um, my website's deeksharon.com and on Twitter, I'm Deke Sharon and on Instagram, I'm Deke Sharon. And I think it's on Tumblr. I'm like Deke underscore Sharon. Nice. That's the one. But yeah, totally, totally. (laughs) Facebook, Deke Sharon. Like it's all like, who would have a crazy name like mine? Whatever. (laughs) Um, that's a cool name. Oh, thank you. But, but basically, yeah, it's, it's easy to find me online. And the number one thing I want to leave people with, which camera's on this, here's the deal. People, I want to help you sing. My life's work is to spread harmony through harmony, and I'm not joking. In any way, when you're watching this, if you want to find a group in your area, contact me. I will help you find a group. If you want to start a group, I will help you start a group. You go to www.acapella.how, H-O-W, and there's all this free material there, and you can read that, and then contact me, and I will help you start a group. And if you need arrangements, if you're stuck, you don't know what to do, your group's going through this crisis, you need to find a new base, whatever it is, I'm there to help you. I'm not expecting any money for this. I'm just trying to get more people singing and make the world a more harmonious place. I'm not joking. Some people are watching this and they're thinking like, oh, he's just saying that. He's <laughs> like, no, no, no. Seriously, contact me. I will get right back to you and I will help you in every way I can. Amazing. Harmony for harmony? Harmony through harmony. Love harmony it. Harmony. That's my life's work. All righty. Excellent. Jeff, where can everyone follow you? Guys, thanks so much for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Jeffrey C. Graham and on Instagram at Jeffrey Crane Graham. And thanks, everyone, for listening. You can follow me on Twitter, at Serafini TV. You can follow all of us here on Twitter, AfterBuzz, at AfterBuzz TV, Facebook, Instagram, all those fun social media platforms. Check out Pitch Perfect After Show, because we also cover that. Thank you so much again, D. My pleasure. God in the studios right yes. now. Yes. Nice God. So, thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later! The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 